Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Fellow redeemed in Christ, the text for this evening comes from the 103rd Psalm, the first 14 verses. You may be seated. David did write, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So far, the text. When the Roman Empire became Christian around the year 300 A.D., Emperor Constantine declaring it to be the official religion, there were two holy patriarchs in the church, the Bishop of Rome and the Bishop of Constantinople. The Bishop of Constantinople was a man named Chrysostom, a gifted orator and a great teacher of the faith. In his old age, he was removed from office, banished from his country, thrust into misery and abused, made to flee, suffered hunger and pestilence. His dying words were recorded as saying, God be praised for everything. From every hymn that you've sung yet this evening, for every responsory that you have vocalized back, every word that's come from the lips of our choir members, it has focused in upon the blessing of God's holy name, whom you and I bear, 
and the blessing of that name because he is good and gracious to us. The definition of good and gracious is a difficult term to pin down if we only define that term according to life experience. Chrysostom could not have defined it according to his life experience. And yet he said, God be praised for everything. There are many people who will eat their Thanksgiving meal with dust and dirt scattered among the turkey and the dressing over in Iraq and Afghanistan, far away from their loved ones and their family members. And they'll get done eating that wonderful meal and it'll seem like any other day. Because they're eight or nine hours ahead of us, there's no football games to watch, at least not till the wee hours of Friday morning. There's no family around which to gather. There's no joy to be found in frivolity with their loved ones. It's just them and their fellow comrade in arms. And that's it. God be praised for everything. When Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, and the text for this evening has God reminding them, the people of Israel, very clearly, when, when they are to remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years. How He humbled you. And how He made you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When someone is hungry... It is very easy to say man does not live by bread alone because he doesn't have much bread. And so he understands whatever comes, comes as a gift from God. But what happens, what happens to people like us when we're so stuffed with bread? We're so satiated with the blessings of this life and this world and the things around which we can gather ourselves and which God can take and give at His whim and at His pleasure. And so what of those things? What of God's Christians who are so full of bread? It's easy for us to say, God be praised. It's easy for us to celebrate Thanksgiving. It's easy for us to say, we're so blessed that we're not like those who struggle and have difficulty in gathering their food who live in horrid conditions. Maybe, maybe it's not such a good thing to have so much. To be so satiated with the things of this world. That's why Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew in this evening's lesson reminded the people very clearly again where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Hmm. 
It is only when we are spiritually humbled, as our Lord mentioned in the Old Testament reading, how he humbled the people of Israel those 40 years. He fed them too. Fed them and they were not hungry. It wasn't as if they struggled to gather and feed themselves. They were fed. Hand and foot they were fed. God caused the quail to land every evening. God caused the manna to be out, to be gathered every morning. It wasn't as if they struggled with food. What they struggled with was their heart's devotion. Same thing that all of us struggle with, our heart's devotion. When Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians in the epistle reading, he was in jail. And he wrote, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. I know what it's like to have a whole bunch, and I know what it's like to be without any. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Which is exactly what we sang about, wasn't it? He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you and satisfies you. Even though we're dust, he does such things for dust. Because he's chosen to breathe his breath of life in dust and make dust a living being, setting dust apart from all other dust that inhabits this earth. You are remarkably different than any creature that roams this planet. You are not cut from the same bolt. You are different, for only you bear the breath of God's soul. You have a living spirit within you whom God has crowned and has redeemed at great cost to satisfy your soul. It was an early church father that said, Our soul shall find no rest till it finds rest in Thee, O Lord. We have, for the most part, In this congregation, all of us who are sitting here rest. We have amassed a great quantity of food to consume. We have gathered wonderful furniture upon which to sit and rest. We have a nice television on which we will watch the game tomorrow evening. We have all of these great blessings. And it is Satan who wishes us to set up shop here in this life and not consider the great rest beyond. That's when Paul, when he was humbled in such a manner that he was, in sitting in prison, reflected and wrote those words. That is the same reason that the people of Israel sleeping out underneath the stars, reminding themselves again, it is not about the things of this life, but the promised land that we have inherited, not will inherit, have inherited. 
Your promised land is heaven itself. You have inherited such a place. It is not a will, it is. You have done it. It has been given unto you. It's just that we have to be crushed a little bit along the way and humbled to be reminded of such gifts. Isn't it interesting? In the midst of so much blessing, where we thank God for blessing, we almost have to include the prayer, Lord, preserve me from myself and my blessings. For they are so bountiful and so numerous that it is my temptation to be attracted to them and not unto you. Drawn unto them and not unto you. It's almost sad and sick at the same, self-same time that God almost needs to crush us so that we realize what it is that is so important in this life. Having done so, He is also the one who lifts you up and crowns you, redeems you, and calls you His own. As a father has compassion on his children, as the psalmist said, so he has compassion on us. For he has given birth to us, begotten us, called us by name, and has paid the all-sufficient sacrifice for the souls that inhabit a body of but dust, that will live forever. (laughs) Remarkable indeed. Be reminded that the same God who has stuffed us to the point of satiation of which you and I are is the same God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Moving from thanksgiving to thanksliving is a transition that occurs every moment of every day. It is not a New Year's resolution that's written out and the commitment is made to turn over a new leaf. It is a daily turning it over. A daily and moment by moment. Because the challenge and the temptation never leaves us while we inhabit this body and all that it contains. And until we're departed from this world and all that it contains and rid of the one who continually nags upon us like a steady drip. Thanks living is each day and each moment. Thanksgiving is taking that which has been given to you and sharing it. It is not the sharing of the thing, which is what we all wish to turn it into. It is the sharing of the salvation and the forgiveness. It will manifest itself in many ways, but that must be the prime motivator. Or it's empty giving for that which is being given 
will rot no different than the person unto whom you're giving it. Ah, but the salvation, that is eternal. And that brings the person unto whom you're giving it the same eternal life that you have. And you will be with him forever in heaven. So no matter whether one is eating dinner in a dining facility in Iraq, thousands of miles from their family, it is the faith that binds the family together. It is that same faith that binds us as a communion of saints. And it is that same faith that gives cause for thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.